It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's been a busy week on the BYU Beat. Let's talk about what you guys want to talk about on a Friday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, and thank you for me being an everydayer right here on the podcast, your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, diving right in on today's show. It's been a busy week. I'm not going to lie. I have been absolutely just swamped, it feels like. Uh, You can ask my lovely wife uh, about all the things that have been going on, but nonetheless, it's been a fun week at the same time. Ton of news uh, for May. It has been very, very busy, and I, for one, will take that. That's the thing about this: is this time of year, typically, this podcast can honestly get a little dry, and I can be kind of uh, thinking, okay, what exactly am I going to talk about? But this past week, in particular, has been just absolutely chock full of storylines. And uh, here on a Friday, uh, with all the other podcasts we've done this week, this will actually be officially be the sixth podcast we did uh, this week. I figured, you know what? We're just going to have some fun. We're going to answer your guys' questions. And there was one a common one that came in from a few of you. I think uh, our good friend Ryan Van Wagen at VWAG23 asked a question similar to this. Who else did? There were a few of them that came in. But all of them had uh, Robert Nunley asked this question. There was also one from Dave that came in via email. And the, the question, I'll, and I'll use uh, the question from our good friend of Ryan Van Wagen and to ask the same question that Robert and David also asked. What do the available scholarships look like for BYU football and what positions do you expect those to be allocated to? I uh, says, I want you to share any potential names you know, because I know you know everything. And Ryan, I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I can tell you this much. I do think that BYU has a number of scholarships still to work with. They they made it very clear during spring ball that they were going to, they had held scholarships back from the winter uh, portal period as well, well as signing day in order to facilitate moves here in the transfer portal. Do I have an exact number on that? No, but I would venture a guess. I I think that BYU has got between six and ten uh, scholarships that I think they were able to work with. And what that what I mean by that is, is they went into the spring portal period knowing that they could bring in maybe between six to ten guys, depending on if they find on the right fits. That's the thing about this. It's been very, very clear that BYU needed to upgrade the wide receiver position. And that's absolutely something that they have endeavored to do. We all know that. Darius Lassiter uh, was brought in uh, via an v- official visit last weekend. He committed earlier this week. We talked about that. Uh, if you missed that podcast, you can go back and listen to, uh, listen to it. But the thing about it is, is I think BYU is still working with a number of scholarships in hand. Uh, AJ Vongpachon fits into this. Uh, Caleb Etienne fits in this. The way I understood, uh, based on my conversations with folks around the program, is that BYU was looking for between two to three wide receivers, a high-level offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, cornerbacks, as well as a safety. So if you add all that up, if you have two to three wide receivers, that's two between two and three offensive line that's four defensive lines five linebacker six cornerbacks is what I was told so I would okay we'll, we'll say two there and then a safety 
that puts us right between that 6 and 10 range. And that's the thing about this is BYU is not just going to go out and sign a bunch of dudes just to facilitate uh, that uh, goal of having between 6 and 10 new transfers. They are going to do their homework. They are going to find the right options for the program. Adjusting my mic here for just a minute. They're going to adjust. Uh, they're, go- not adjust. they're going to uh, change how they go about evaluating talent because they know they need that quality depth. We talked about this a little bit more earlier on in the week. They know they need that power five quality depth as much as they humanly possible as much as they humanly possibly can get it uh, going in to the Big 12 era. And they will obviously uh, be doing their best to find any and all options. Well, if you go by the checklist of what I just ran down, they have the linebacker, A.J. Vong Pachon. They have the offensive lineman in Kaylee B.T.N. They've got one of the wide receivers in Darius Lassiter. So they're slowly but surely ticking guys off of that quote-unquote wish list uh, based on what I understood BYU was looking for. And the thing about this is I don't think that's a, a, a complete list. This is not where BYU, if they had a high high-level running back or a, a stud tight end, etc., that were to come to them via the transfer portal they reached out to and said, hey, yeah, I'm absolutely interested in playing for you guys, and he's a Power 5 capable player. I'm wholly convinced BYU be welcoming them into the program with open arms because they, they know that talent is going to win out on the football field. So uh, I guess to answer your, your question, Ryan, uh, Robert, and David, uh, BYU, I, the, the understanding I have is between 6 and 10 scholarships they had going into it. Uh, if you add it up right now, they've maybe used between 3, maybe 4 of those, but they will continue to operate that. And there was also an additional question uh, with regards, uh, to, I think Robert asked this question, let me double check, uh, time frame. Time frame of ideally filling those spots. And that was Robert's uh, additional question. Uh, the time frame, I think it's anything between now and early July, honestly. The way I understand it, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think they've altered uh, the current uh, situation with the NCAA transfer portal rules that if you want to be eligible as an undergrad transfer to play in the upcoming season, you have to be enrolled at the school you plan to play for by July 1. So I guess that's the time frame, essentially, uh, Robert, is that they could take all the way until July 1, get guys into school, etc., and then be off and rolling at that point. I would imagine BYU would like to get as get it as settled as possible as soon as possible but this is this is like uh, NCAA it's NFL free agency it's NCAA free agency and you gotta gotta kind of go on the timelines of each one of these young men so yeah the perfect timeline I don't have uh, I guess what, it'll be done by this day on a drop dead date but I do think it can all the way go all the way through June if they really have to but I, I can tell you what I understand is BYU's coaches are working very diligently on finding the right options bringing the right guys into the football program that can hopefully help them be far more competitive this season and I, I think that's uh, that's the right way to go about it Maybe Make sure that you're not, A, overreacting uh, to potential uh, movement, but at the same time, make sure you do your homework at the same time and get the right guys into the program. Will every one of these transfers work out? No, because the the hit rate is is not going to be 100%. There's a reason why why young men hit the transfer portal. Let's be very honest about it. Let's be very blunt. But the nice part is I think BYU has got a good enough coaching staff who's very good at evaluating talent. They can get in conversations with these young men and can try and flesh out exactly what these young men are all about, their motivations, all that type of stuff. And hopefully it pays off in dividends in the form of wins and obviously having uh, depth pieces or if not outright uh, stars for your football program coming in. And I think BYU's off to a pretty solid start, all things considered. All right, next question coming in here uh, goes to Nick Chadwick. It says, besides kicker, which position group do you feel we are one player away from. Actually, by the way, 
Kicker is when I completely spaced. Kicker is absolutely on the wish list. That's probably the number 10. That's the number 10 spot. So I apologize. That's the, that's the kicker position. They absolutely need to address that. He says, uh, what position group do you feel like we is what we do you feel like is we are one player away from it affecting the team negatively? It felt like the F situation, we got caught with our pants down with the wide receiver room being so weak. The wide receiver room was not necessarily being caught with their pants down. They knew they had their work cut out for them. They obviously had calculated Cody Epps originally being a part of that room. But then he makes the surprise decision to jump in the portal. Obviously, reneges on that, comes back. They knew the wide receiver position needed to be bolstered, and they're doing their homework. They're, they're up to 10 guys have gotten offers from BYU, folks. They, they, I don't know how much more work you can truly expect uh, from BYU on that front. Are every one of those 10 offers going to pan out? No, because I think BYU probably gets one or two of those guys, but they are kind of shotgun approach. Uh, throwing out a, a bunch of offers to a group they feel like could fit in at BYU, and hopefully that funnel that it'll go through in terms of finding the right fit will yield one or two guys that, they, that can come in and have an impact. So I don't think necessarily that affected the team negatively. I, I think if you were to get some uh, injuries, the corner back room. Uh, that could absolutely affect BYU negatively. They've got some good guys at the top of their cornerback uh, depth chart. Eddie Heckard, Jacob Robinson, Maury Bamba. I think all three of those guys are pretty capable. Beyond that though, there's question marks. And I think that's why BYU, what I understand is they're looking at cornerbacks at multiples in the transfer portal cycle. Will it ultimately pan out where they bring in one, two, one or two guys? Maybe so, but I don't necessarily have names on the cornerback side of things, but at the same time, I also don't necessarily fret a ton of that with a guy like Gennaro Guilford at the helm of BYU's uh, cornerback and the and the I guess the recruiting of that because he knows what he's looking for. He he's proven that time and time again. He can find good cornerbacks out there and they come from different spots. But Gennaro's doing his homework and I've got trust that he will figure it out along the way here. All right, uh, next question coming in is going to go to uh, Josh Glenn, of course, one of our longtime listeners. But we'll get to that one in a minute because actually transitions us a little bit to talk a little bit about a game day and some of the expectations coming up this season for BYU. Uh, we'll talk about that one. We'll also get to a bevy more. You guys responded in mass with these questions a lot of good ones and we'll get to more of those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the sugar and calories in the tri- typical treats or snacks that you're eating, then you need, you need to try a Built Bar. They're the best tasting protein bars. I'm dead serious about this. I'm not just reading the copy to tell you that. I absolutely think Built Bars are incredible. The best part is you will not believe how healthy they are versus how amazing they are for you. How uh, how healthy they are for you versus how amazing they taste, if I can get that uh, correct statement out of my mouth. But the best part is they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They got a number of different flavors, fruit flavors, nut, non-nut flavors. They got all of the different options for you guys out there. And the best part is they experiment all the time with new flavors that you can get at Built.com if you want to go there and place your orders. That's where I typically get mine. But if you need your Built Bars today and you get your fix, stop at your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today to pick them up. They got four bar packs available right now at Smith's you can pick up or a bulk pack, a 13 bar pack available at your local uh, local Sam's Club. That's the best part about it. If you want to get them today, you want to walk in, grab the box and walk out, those are your places to do it. Or if you want to go to Built.com, you can get your specialty flavors there and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 while you're there to save 15% on your order. You heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 for 15% off your order. Get enjoying the best tasting bro- Get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, 
Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine. For all of you everydayers, coming up on our Monday edition of the podcast, uh, we're going to kick off next week. We kind of fault started this week with all the other news out there. The plan was to start off May by taking a look around at the other programs in the Big 12, have some of the hosts here on the Locked On uh, Podcast Network who host other Big 12 shows on to talk about uh, how things are going. We'll start that next week, and also uh, we'll continue to delve into any and all other news that comes out over the weekend. Hopefully it's a little quieter than some of the past weekends have been, but but at the same time, if it delivers the goods, quote-unquote, news-wise, we'll be sure to have it covered for you guys. But the plan is uh, Monday to kick off kind of a look around the rest of the conference, get you a feel for how things look in the Big 12 as BYU gets ready to join that conference. All right, diving right back into the questions here. This is a question-dominated podcast today. Our next one comes up from the underscore Josh Glenn. Says, Jake, what game day improvements and upgrades would you like to see for the fans going into the season? What are some unique aspects of BYU that could be leveraged in this endeavor? That's a great question, uh, Josh, because honestly, I, I have been so removed from fan culture, and I don't, I don't mean to sound it negatively, but working in the media, I get removed from the, the fan populace to a large degree, and I don't necessarily get a great feel for what the current uh, situation is with regards to game day and that type of stuff. One thing I will give BYU credit for is they have tried to create a true game day experience with that Cougar Canyon. They've allowed that tailgate lot to exist down the street down there on uh, uh, Canyon Drive, uh, Canyon View Drive. I would love to see that tailgate lot moved closer to the stadium. I'm a big proponent. I've said it once. I'll say it again. There's a big grass field. I think it's called the Helaman Field, which is right there across uh, University uh is it Parkway? Yeah, University Parkway uh, from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That's where I would allow people to set up tailgates. You obviously wouldn't be able to pull the RVs in there because you'd tear up that grass to just an awful number. And trust me, I know about the BYU grounds crews. They are not very kind about their grass being torn up. But you could set up a pretty nice tailgate area there. I think that would enhance a huge, huge dynamic that's kind of lacking with BYU. Cougar Canyon's great, but the true uh, kind of grassroots tailgate scene that absolutely could be upgraded. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir to my boys like uh, Big Uncle Pooh and uh, the crew out there, Goober Goose, and uh, I, you guys know who you are, uh, David Fiso, Uncle, uh, Uncle Maui on Twitter. I know you guys have done some heavy, heavy lifting for years now to get that tailgate culture off the ground, but I think it could be enhanced. So that's probably the one thing I would point to. The other thing about this is BYU needs to evaluate what the future of Lavelle Edwards Stadium is going to be. Are you going to retrofit it? Are you going to make it more fan-friendly and more uh, enticing? for a fan to go to LES or are you just going to go wholesale you know what we're going to save up and we're going to build a brand new state of the art stadium at some point in the not too distant future that also needs to be a determination made that's not necessarily a fan decision that is a university administration football program uh type of decision, but it absolutely needs to be addressed because LES is starting to show its age in certain circumstances, and it needs to be addressed one way or the other. So those are probably the two answers I got for you off the top of my head, Josh. All right, next one. A BYU 4 tray at playoff bogey, and this is a great question as well. Are you concerned at all with what Keaton Slovis brings at quarterback? He was fairly pedestrian at USC in 2020. It says due to injuries, maybe. And there's a similar question uh, to that coming uh, from Dallas. It says, uh, Dallas 1 Tyler says, talk me off a cliff if Slovis gets hurt this year. Uh, okay, first thing first. 
BYU staff, this is not me speaking, BYU staff thinks they can get out of Keaton Slovis what he showed early on, or at least uh, close to it uh, during his time at USC. Remember when he was like a dark horse Heisman Trophy contender going into his sophomore season. They think that they can get that type of production or approach that type of production with him in this offense at BYU. He said it himself. This is the first time in his college career that he is going to a university where he will play for the offensive coordinator he committed to. When he went to USC originally, guess who the offensive coordinator was supposed to be? None other than Cliff Kingsbury. Guess what? Cliff Kingsbury got hired away after like two weeks with USC to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. They brought in Graham Harrell, and they did some decent things, obviously, with Keaton Slovis there, but that was not the offensive coordinator he committed to. He transfers to Pitt. Well, guess what? Pitt had Mark Whipple, who had gotten uh, all kinds of offensive numbers for the quarterback before. Before him, Kenny Pickett, that got Kenny Pickett to be a first round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But guess what? Mark Whipple gets the axe uh, from uh, the head coach, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pat Narduzzi. And then they bring in a new offensive coordinator who runs, runs more, Kurt Signetti, who was the new offensive coordinator at Pitt, runs more of a run heavy offense. So, Keaton's looking forward to having an offensive coordinator he believes in at the helm that's giving him the the calls uh, going into the game. That, I think, it's in, of, in and of itself can benefit that, but only time will tell. But I can tell you, the coaches are uh, believers in what Keaton Slovis can bring. To answer your question more fully, uh, to go back to the point about Dallas, uh, talk me off a cliff if Slovis gets hurt this year. Folks, I am a big believer in what Jake Retzloff, the BY Jew, as, he, as he's called himself, I'm a big believer in what that young man brings to the table. He has got a live arm. He's got the ability to make throws from every angle in terms of arm angles, sidearm, three-quarter, over the top. He can make all the throws from different angles, and that's a fantastic weapon to have. The only thing about him is he's just he's still a little bit behind. Remember, he had the complication to having his tonsils out, had three different procedures to clean up uh, the, the situation with that that caused him to miss half of spring ball. He will have to play some catch-up obviously just in terms of overall grasp of the offense. This summer will be very critical for him to do that. The other thing about that is is he needs just to get into uh, the weight room. That's the thing about this. He's, he's a skinny dude and that, it's not a bad thing per se. Not every quarterback is going to look like Taysom Hill out there, but he does need to gain some weight so that when he is the guy if that ultimately is going to be his future he can step in, but I actually would be okay if, if Knock on wood. I'm literally knocking on wood right now. If Keaton Slovis were to pick up a knock or something like that, I actually think BYU would be just fine with Jake Retzloff there. But the hope is that Keaton Slovis gets to enjoy a healthy senior season. All right, uh, next question uh, coming in here. Uh, go uh, to football. We'll go to the basketball questions as we round out today's show here. Uh, says, Josh War, of the flurry of wide receivers that BYU has offered, which basket are you putting your eggs in the most regarding a commit? That is a fantastic question, Josh. But honestly, I do not know. What what I do know is that BYU is, has offered a number of guys and have been endeavoring to get them out here on visits. As you start to hear news of guys starting to visit BYU, and I think I was understanding they were trying to get some setup for this weekend. I don't know if they got any setup for this weekend, but the hope is by the very latest they'll have some for next weekend. And as the news comes out about those guys potentially visiting, if a guy is going to visit BYU as a transfer portal guy, I would say it's a pretty serious deal, and BYU is intent on bringing that guy into their program. They're not just going to host guys on visits just to do that. that that's not how BYU is operating right now. So uh, I guess an incomplete answer for you. I don't necessarily have one that I would put my eggs into. I have guys I definitely like. I think the Morrow kid uh, from Louisville has a lot of tools. He's not played at the college level, but he's got six foot six frame. Like You can't teach the height and length that that guy's got. Uh, there's the young man. Uh, his name's escaping me off the top of my head right now. 
uh, from Northwestern State, 6'4", 220 pounds. He looks just like an absolute man amongst boys out there. Uh, that would be a fun one uh, to see come in. But we'll see. All, we'll also see uh, as time progresses which of these guys ultimately commit to visiting BYU because I think that signals that they're interested in BYU while at the same time BYU is interested in them if they ultimately are going to make that trip out to Provo. All right, one more question before we flip over to basketball to close out today's show. Uh, that comes from the CA franchise on uh, Twitter. It says, uh, at CA franchise, excuse me, it says, with Epps returning, what position group now is the thinnest? It's still wide receiver. Until BYU bolsters it with a couple more bodies, I still would say wide receiver. Number two on that list to me it's going to be the cornerbacks. I think defensive line, linebacker has built uh, some decent depth. Cornerback just seems like with the three guys, they're pretty good, but you want maybe four or five true uh, options there in the cornerback room opposite of what kind of like the wide receivers are. You want four to six guys there as well. So I would say outside of wide receiver, if you want to answer, would be the cornerback position. But the wide receiver to me is still quite thin, just in my estimation. All right, so uh, we will finish out today's show with uh, basketball questions as well as one kind of more philosophically about BYU as a whole and the way it goes about operating recruiting-wise uh, from our good friend River Coog. We'll get to all those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you for being an everydayer with us here. I cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast. Uh, A couple of you have uh, expressed your concern about uh, how much uh, other people are trying to hone in on territory. Folks, I don't care about people starting podcasts. That's the thing about this. It's fun to have options out there. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I support all the other guys who have podcasts in this sphere, the BYU sphere. Cougar Tracks with Mitch Harper, the Hype Train podcast with Joe Wheat and the crew over there. uh, Jeff Hansen has just started his new The Daily Dose deal. So I, I guess I don't necessarily have the corner, quote-unquote, of, of a daily podcast anymore. His is more just kind of a one-take uh, uh, deal. But I encourage all of this. It gives you, the fan, more options, more voices to be heard, more opinions to be had. Like That's the type of stuff that I encourage. So I, I, I thank you for your concern. Honestly, there are a couple of you I, I don't necessarily uh, want to put on blast, but don't worry about me. We'll continue to do our thing. I've got no uh, problem with anybody else deciding that they want to do their thing with regards to BYU sports. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you have a BYU podcast that I may not be aware of, I'd love nothing more than to uh, both know about it and also listen to it. So if you uh, like, that's the thing about this. I'm more than happy to share this space with everybody that wants to get in on it. It's not easy to do. And that's the one thing that kind of set me apart in a way not to boast too much. But the one thing I've done is for almost five years straight now, I've done a daily podcast on all things BYU. Has it been easy? No, it is not. It's a grind. But the best part about it is you out there, you the you the fans, you guys that are sending these questions in, you guys keep me going every day. So thank you for the support. I, I mean that sincerely. It, it 
truly is a labor of love because it, it's not, it takes time. It takes simply time to get it done. But I really, I do it for you guys. That's the thing about this. It's, it's fun to do, but it, it's really for you. All right. Uh, basketball questions now. Let's, let's roll on these. Ryan Welling asked this. What is Noah Waterman's role with the men's basketball team this year? It seems like last, as last season progressed, he had a hard time fitting into the rotation. Now, Waterman was a guy who was thought to come in and be a stretch four for BYU. Maybe play the three position at times. And uh, to your point, Ryan, it did seem like at times he was kind of ill-fitting in what BYU's overall scheme was trying to be on, in basketball. This year, uh, to be honest with you, on paper, he is going to have to fill more of that uh, that backup four-man potential uh, wing player type role. And he's got to uh, essentially accept a demotion unless he really really uh, shows out well uh, in the lead-up to the season. I, I I don't necessarily think that Noah Waterman is going to be kind of a guy who's just kind of stuck at the end of the bench, but BYU's making moves around him that have got to make him think, man, they may have recruited over the top of me in some ways. That's the thing about this is. The one thing that he has, though, is he's got height and length and the ability to shoot the three. When he was able to uh, stroke it from deep, He's there's not many guys like him. He's six foot ten. He's got the ability to shoot the three from the outside. He can get into the interior. But he's got to prove his worth to make Mark Pope's rotation because Mark's making moves. Uh, speaking of Coach Pope, he is obviously making all kinds of moves. And that brings me to the next question here uh, regarding uh, Denny B. Karchner, our good friend. Denny uh, Brad K. says, does Glover's addition impact, excuse me, how does Glover's addition impact Dallin Hall? I think it's a, a position battle, Denny, honestly. Uh, could Dallin Hall get beat out as a starting point guard going into the season? Absolutely. But guess what happened this past season? Guess who started a point guard to start the year? Oh, yeah, that'd be Rudy Williams. Guess what? Rudy Williams is quite Quite ineffective early on in the season in that role. And BYU, it was eight or nine games into the season, Mark Pope made the move, put Rudy Williams into the sixth man role coming off the bench, and that seemed to unlock him in BYU's offense. Meanwhile, Dallin Hall saw an uptick in minutes and the ability to develop playing that point guard role. Dallin Hall has no intention of ceding that point guard job to a guy like Quez Glover, but he will have to earn that every single day in practice and prove that he is the best option at point guard for BYU. It's going Going to it's the iron sharpens iron theory. These are two very good players. A guy like Quez Glover is a true scoring machine out there. Is he the biggest guard? No. They listen to six foot. I don't believe he's six foot, folks. But the thing about this is he's proven that that height is not going to slow him down at all. He absolutely can fill it up on the score sheet. So don't don't be concerned uh, with this being a bad thing for a guy like Dallin Hall. In fact, it should bring out the best in him because I think the Rudy Williams situation last year absolutely brought out the best in him. I think this is just the next thing, hopefully, to unlock him a little bit more. Uh, next one, Mills and Anderson at Mills Anderson, Nevada, says the basketball team currently has 14 scholarship players, but only 13 to give out. Who is out? Uh, that's the And it says, also, I hear a coach, speaking of Coach Pope, is still searching the transfer portal, even looking for another uh, wing player. Why? It seems like we're loaded there. Uh, I think that BYU's taking the same approach that BYU uh, football has, uh, Mills and Anderson, is that BYU understands that you cannot have enough talented players, especially in, in many circumstances, even more importantly, to have it in basketball. There, like you said, there are 14 scholarship guys currently on paper with 13 to give out. Uh, the way I understand it is BYU is going to have to do some machinations. Could a guy currently on the roster be asked to move to a walk-on status? That very easily 
could be something I could see happening. I, I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility. Could somebody decide they got about they got a week left? Uh, May 11th is when the window will close for the basketball transfer portal. In this last week or so, could one of those players who may be asked to drop to walk on status could they decide to move on? That absolutely is, is in the cards. Could a guy like Trevin Nell ultimately decide that his body is just betraying him and decide he wants to move on from basketball and medically retire? Yes, that would open up a scholarship. Also, here's the thing. There are many rumors out there about Jake Wallen, obviously the return missionary who's supposed to be coming home from Timpview. Will he fit into BYU's plans? There are strong rumors that he his future with BYU is in doubt. I don't have necessarily anything concrete out there. I have heard from one person who I am inclined to trust more than most that as things stand right now, Jake Wallen may have eyes looking elsewhere outside of BYU, but I, I honestly I don't have a good answer for you on that, if how they're going to balance out the scholarships, but just understand that they will figure it out. They will have to figure it out because they just can't they can't carry 14 scholarship players. That just will not fly. So expect something to to shake out in regards to that. But it's some in some form or fashion they will figure that out. And to your other question, they're continuing to look in the transfer portal. They want to find any and all options out there that if they feel like if Mark Pope feels like it will upgrade the roster and give them a more of a fighting chance in the Big 12 as a basketball program, you can guarantee he will bring that person in. It's similar to the football thing. Like I said, they don't need a running back. They don't necessarily need need a tight and that type of stuff. They don't need those, but if you have the luxury of finding a guy who can be an impact player, think of a quote-unquote Dalton Kincaid type guy, uh, not to bring up Utah too much, but Dalton Kincaid, what a find he was out of San Diego. If BYU can find that type of a talent for basketball or football, even if it's at a position of strength in theory for them, why would you not bring them in. That's the thing about this is. All right. Uh, a couple other ones uh, coming in here before we wrap up here. The other basketball question. There was one other one. I apologize. Uh, I lost it as I was kind of scrolling through my questions here. But, oh, there we go. Right there. Alex Hansen at Young underscore Al says, what's your record prediction for BYU basketball given the new additions? I don't mean to chuckle, but are they done with transfers in and out? I hope I answered your second question there first, Alex. Uh, my record prediction? Whew. Um, similar to football, get to 500? <laughs> Like that, that, folks. I I don't know necessarily that any of us, yours truly included, understand how difficult the Big Twelve conference is going to be basketball wise. It's going to be very, very difficult uh, for BYU uh, when it comes to basketball. Does that mean that they can't uh, surpass expectations? No, that they absolutely could. But I just, man, keep your expectations. Just temper them a little bit. I don't mean to tell you to to think that oh, this team's going to be absolute crap because I actually think they've done a really good job in the transfer portal. That actually has me thinking that they might be a little better than I thought they were going to be in basketball. But at the same time, this is the best basketball conference in the country, bar none, period, end of sentence, end of story. Like It is going to be so difficult in conference play for BYU. So if they want to get to 500, maybe they have to pile up a bunch of wins in the non-conference slate. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, so... 500, maybe. That, that's probably the goal there, Alex, for me. Uh, a couple other straggling questions coming in that I apologize. I missed uh, in the original thing. Rob Crossland, a good friend of ours. Rob, this is a good one. What are you hearing about Harrison Taggart? It seems to be some traction to him uh, signing with BYU, perhaps, dot, dot, dot. Uh, Rob, you have heard what I've heard. And uh, what I understand is BYU is 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 pretty uh, confident in where they stand with a guy like Harrison Taggart. And by the way, uh, this goes directly to guys like Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, as well as Jay Hill for building a relationship in not a very long time with Harrison 
building a good relationship with Harrison Taggart in not a very long time. Uh, he is intrigued by what BYU offers. He's got a number of other programs out there that are looking at him. He's a former four-star talent. Why wouldn't they be kicking the tires on a guy like that? But the way I understand is BYU feels like they're in a pretty strong position uh, for Harrison should he decide that he wants to play in Utah, etc. I think BYU might very well be the landing spot. But uh, it's still early on and only time will tell. But like I said, Rob, the, the indications I've been hearing is that BYU uh, feels pretty good about their chances. All right, last uh, word goes to our good friend River Coog. Been a longtime listener. Great interactions with River Coog. Actually, I got one more. I apologize. Two two more things. Uh, River Coog here. Let's build on a previous topic. It says, recruiting non-LDS and elite LDS talent are things that BYU has struggled with. I think the business connections and overall network is a great pitch for BYU. So is money. Should the athletic department and coaches start working on pitching big donors, some of which are normally not big athletics fans, BYU football is one of the best promotions of an LDS institution in the United States. Should this be used to solicit more donors considering it's true? What better way to demonstrate the potential alumni connections by being able to show large collective funds and paying out players with them? That is a great question, River Coog. I think BYU uh, will absolutely tap into that as much as possible, just uh, my perception of how things are operating. I think that they absolutely could approach that and pitch it that way. Uh, The thing about this is I think there's some pretty high-level... Uh, boosters, uh, collective type donors, that type of stuff that are very much uh, BYU fans, first and foremost. That's the university itself. Now, uh, can you kind of kick that over to athletics? I think you probably have to do some work on that, but it absolutely should be something BYU works on. They absolutely should pitch the angles that they have uh, to their to their benefit. The connections worldwide with BYU alumni, it's absolutely incredible. There are alumni chapters literally all over the United States, even some international, that wherever you go, you can connect with other BYU alumni and uh, have that connection to them. It's a similar type situation to a lot of other prestigious schools out there, but BYU has the unique, obviously, distinction of being sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That gives it a worldwide appeal. There's actually been a lot of the talk about the Big 12 potentially going to Mexico. It's actually a topic I haven't had a chance to discuss yet on this podcast because of all the other news out there this week. And I'm, I, I'm still thinking about how I, how I feel about that. Maybe we'll address that next week, but Absolutely. Tap into as many uh, opportunities as you have. Business, uh, church, all that type of stuff. Build the networks that you can build and use that to your benefit if you're BYU. Does that mean they absolutely will always uh, tap into that? No, but I think that to your point, uh, River Coog, they could do a lot better in terms of building uh, off of that a little bit and hopefully it, it pays off in dividends. I do believe that this Royal Blue Collective initiative that BYU is working with now is going to pay massive dividends. It already has. It, it Single-handedly, I feel like in many ways, you got Lauren Gustin to return to BYU. I, that's just my, I don't have any insight knowledge on that, but why that just feels like she got the right number she was looking for and the Royal Blue Collective stepped up and helped take care of her. That is what BYU is building. Will it take some time to really get it to operating at peak efficiency and having the, the right amount of quote-unquote dollars it needs and all that type of stuff? Sure, it probably will take some time like that, but have faith that they're, they're doing the work. They're, they're out there doing the legwork and building uh, that connection as much as possible. All right, uh, final question uh, goes to Jordan Kennard. I forgot about this. Jordan sent this in via email as well. It says, hey Jake, thank you uh, for First of all, for all the work you do, I love the podcast and listen to it every day. Also, thank you for always being so nice the times I've met you in person. You are the best. Well, Jordan, thank you for the compliments. I really do appreciate it. It says, my question for you is, do you think there are players uh, and or coaches who may have hard feelings with Cody even now for how he entered the transfer portal? Will this cause any friction or contention with the team this year, especially if they are tr- uh, struggling? Uh, to answer your question, I don't know. 
Honestly, could there be some players that harbor a grudge? It could be a coach or two that has a, a question in mind about the about Cody uh, now that he quote unquote stepped out on the team and then came back. Maybe so. But the way I understand it is that I think BYU is just happy to have him back. Like I said, Cody is a fantastic representative of what Brigham Young University should be all about, and especially BYU football should be all about. This is a young man who had literally zero connections to the university. BYU brought him in on visits. He fell in love with the surroundings, the, the, the team, the program, the culture, all that type of stuff. He has been a big proponent of what BYU is trying to build. But uh, the, the way that he left the program, yeah, like I said earlier this week, it had a lot of people angry about about how he handled his business. I think he, uh, the way his statement read to me, I think he's pretty contrite. I think he's been pretty apologetic. I think he's probably gotten in the same room with the people who are probably the most upset with him or at least got on the phone with them and has hashed things out. Uh, the nice part is I think that he understands that he's going to have to w- work to earn the trust back of those coaches and teammates who may have a question about him or have an issue with him. But in time, I do think that that trust can be rebuilt. And I, honestly, I don't think it necessarily take all that long uh, for that to be done, but it will it will require some work, obviously, uh, to be done on that front. All right, we have gone way over time on today's show. We're wow, we're supposed to keep this under thirty minutes. We're like thirty five and change, but nonetheless. Uh, big thank you to all of you. Like I said, I didn't necessarily have a huge overarching topic on today's show just due to all the other stories out there this week. I, I'm frankly tired and exhausted from all the other stuff going on out there. But the nice part is. It's been a fun week. Uh, thank you to all of you who sent in your questions. Thank you uh, for being a part of this. Thank you for being an everydayer to the thousands of you who tune in on a daily basis, watching it on YouTube or listening to it wherever you get your podcast. I cannot thank you guys enough. You, like I said I, earlier, you guys are the lifeblood. You guys make this thing go. So thank you for your support and thank you for making us your first listen of the day, no matter when you listen to us. Uh, have a great weekend, by the way. Hope you guys uh, get out in the sun. Hopefully the weather holds a little bit. Uh, if you're going to be at uh, Monster Jam up in Salt Lake City, we have Upper Rice Eccles Stadium. I may see you out there. I'm taking my my son out to that. So if you're there Saturday night, uh, hit me up. Maybe the as Jordan said, maybe we can meet up in person and talk for a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, and we will reconvene on Monday talking all things BYU once again. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.